I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. It's brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get that 10% discount on your legal fees. Levi Solicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hiya. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. And so is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. You can listen to this and all our podcasts ad-free and get early access to the match balls straight after the games with TSB Plus, our new sub package. On top of that, you get a full digital sub to the magazine, daily email written by Moscow's fair hand. Have you, have you wrote those, all of those so far, Moscow? Yes. That's commitment, is that? You see? That is commitment to the task. Every goddamn weekday. No holidays ever. That's how committed we are to I you. am. We are. I am. There's no I in team. There's no you in the emails either. That's true. And if you're an annual subscriber to TSB Plus, you can get merch discounts as well. Full details at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. And into it then, and backwards we go to the weekend to a glorious performance at Goodison Park. The first league win there since we got promoted last time in 1990, which there is a, a square ball. Match Ball 30 episode about that one. If you want to hear it, dig back through your timeline and you will find it. But back to 2020 and a fine three points. It was fun, that, wasn't it? I'm, I'm glad it's fun again. It felt like it might not be after we, we were getting beaten 4-1. I was worried about relegation stuff. Now I think we might piss the league. I think the only problem we have now is going to be keeping hold of our players in January. That's the new story, isn't it? Now it's December. It's all everyone's got tuned in to Calvin Phillips. And the next question is, well, why is he playing for them? A bit like Bielsa, people will probably just assume they can have him if they want, but they can't. I don't think, anyway. He's ours. Marcelo is ours. They are not for sale, either of them. Norris, uh, Paveda, Rafinha, all those people. John, genuinely, like, on the sales side of things, what's our squad worth now compared to two years ago? Madness, isn't it? I'd have given them all away for about £10 million two years ago. That much? Yeah, we'd have probably scraped, like, a few million for Pontus, wouldn't we, at the time, and Maybe a couple of mil for Phillips, but yeah, I'd have probably got rid of them all. And think, now they're all dead good. Think how much Bailey Peacock Farrell could have been worth if he'd been any good playing in this team. What did we get for him? 3.5 million? Something like that. I, yeah. We might have got 3.6 million. I think that does represent peak value still. I wouldn't weigh him in for scrap. But as for, my the, advice. as for the rest of them, there is no ceiling. I mean, they, 
there is a serious point about the the amount of money that we didn't take from Aston Villa for Calvin Phillips is probably one of the best decisions that the club has made for years to do that. Would we have got promoted without him? Would we now have a, what's he worth, £200 million midfielder in our team? More. If we just let him go to Aston Villa and just scrap around with wannabe coach of the year, Dean Smith. So that was um, a big, significant move. And um, and yeah, contributes to our excellent, excellent team. The only problem with Clicksworth, I guess, is his age, but one and a half million pounds for him. And there he is absolutely dominating midfields against James Rodriguez. And I know he wasn't in midfield, but I mean, Everton didn't really have a midfield, so maybe it was easy. Click. They had Alan. I was, I was getting a bit of a hard on for Alan, wasn't I, at the time? You accused me of. Yes, the table kept moving. <laughs> he was good, though, as Alan. I'd, I'd have him whenever and are um, relegated. We'll take him. Click, you make a good point, though. He is genuinely one of the best midfielders in the Premier League at the minute. Easily. It's mad, isn't it? That falling over <laughs> at Cardiff nearly meant we just didn't bother with him. Thomas Christensen knew what he was doing, didn't he? Hey. And just on the comparison, Alan is uh, pretty much the same age as our matches, Click. And he cost Everton £21.7 million. Who is he, by the way? Where did he come from? Uh, Napoli. Carlo Ancelotti used to have him at Napoli. And he's he's been around, always kind of cropping up in a, a match because you go, player called Alan? What's his surname? That, that is his surname. Um, Alan Gravel. He's very British. That's what he is. He actually is Alan Marquez Lariro in Talaman. So this is one of their many English-sounding Brazilians, is he? Yeah, yes. it was him and then... Um, Bernard came on. Bernard and who's the other Bell one? James. But the one the who uh, Steptoe's son. Albert. Oh no, it, that's Harold. There Harold. was a, <laughs> it was um, the guy from Dad's Army was playing for them. Pike. No, the old one. Godfrey. Mannering. Godfrey. They had Godfrey, didn't they? <laughs> Private Godfrey. Um, that was bothering me all through the game and then I worked it out and then it was bothering me again then. Anyway, Everton, if they had any sense, they could have bought 10 matches clicks. For one Allen, but they didn't, fools. We did, and it's great, and we're very happy. And as I said on the match ball, I'm just enjoying it at the minute. It's dead nice. I love what we're doing with the Premier League, which is sorting it all Winning out. It. Yeah, which we'll, well, we'll come on to when we do what's wrong with the Premier League in a bit. Dead nice, this. Really enjoying it. And the stats bear it out as well. We uh, we like to refer back to the attacking momentum graph, don't we, that comes up on the... Is it InfoGoal who who published this, or is it SofaScore? SofaScore. That's it, You'll SofaScore. will be in trouble. Be using Levi's solicitors against us if you carry on like that. Oh, I mentioned him for goal because it's that's where we get the XG stats, which were 1.49 to Everton and 3.38 to us, according to him for goal. Although typical of us, the goal we actually did score was a two percent chance, apparently. So lots of good ones, but then we don't want to do easy things, do we? I mean, it was the England goalkeeper that's to be taken into account, and they beat him easily from distance and shot through. Loads of other players as well. The statistics that keep coming to my mind are the ones, I think it was on Match of the Day, they put a, a graphic up of um, teams that have had the most shots and have created the most chances. So is it us, isn't it? It's us all the time and the games with the most uh, shots. So I think there's even this um, this sense developing that we make other teams play better. I mean, Everton had 15 shots against us and I probably should have checked before embarking on this, but I'd be interested to know how many times they have 15 shots in a game. So I bet it's not often, but the way we we, uh, we attack teams gives them the encouragement to attack us. But little do they know that uh, behind our all-action team is uh, the young pipe cleaner version of Dino Zoff. <laughs> 
He is great, is Melia. It was quite telling, actually, some of the Everton stuff, which we'll come on to in a bit, with the things from their fans. There was one of them who really liked him and didn't like Pickford and was kind of obsessed with Pickford being too small and was suggesting that they buy him, more or less. And why wouldn't they want him? Because he's a child and he's great. How good can he get? I mean, the, the Dino's off comparison might not be unusual. It's great. There's always this sense with goalkeepers that if you put one in who is under 30, they immediately turn into Bailey Peacock Farrell and they should just be kept out of sight. Maybe lower league loans until you're virtually ready to retire and then you can maybe have a season at the top level. That's a goalkeeper's career nowadays. But um, stick him in at 20 and he is so much better than Kiko Kassir. I do like Melier. He's great. He's a very, very good keeper. And one of the things that was pointed out that even when he does make an error... He quickly remedies it. He gets back on the horse, doesn't he? And doesn't crumble in a really, really visible way like Kiko Garcia did. He makes both short-term and long-term recoveries. Like when he drops a shot, he's very quick to jump on it again. And when he does something more substantially wrong, like passing to their attacker, he just carries on trying to do that same pass two minutes later. It doesn't bother him. Which is refreshing after we've seen now Kiko, Peacock Farrell... Viedvald all absolutely crumble as soon as things start going wrong for them. And it's reassuring for a defence as well because he's playing behind a defence that is probably having the most difficulty of anybody in our team adapting to being in the Premier League. I mean, the ship fought to Leicester and fought to Crystal Palace, so you can't exactly say that we've been defensively rock solid and um, certainly the difference in the Championship, we weren't giving up 15 shots to anybody and and now we are. So he's, he's got a lot more to do, but it definitely helps Liam Cooper and Robin Cock knowing that any mistakes they might make, there is still somebody behind them who might stop them um, from turning into a goal instead of there just being like a damp sheet of tissue paper. I saw the stat over the weekend, and correct me if this is incorrect, uh, Melier has the most clean sheets in the Premier League, though. Is that correct? I did see that as well. That's two, two in the last two, obviously. How many have we not conceded any against before in previous games and we kept clean sheets. Well, it's been a very exciting Premier League season, hasn't it? With goals, the uh, the, the bet du jour is both teams to score. But he is the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, probably the world, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not overhype him. No, we don't, because what will happen is he'll knee one into his own net, like we saw at the City of Manchester Stadium. What's it called? The Etihad these days, isn't it, for its corporate sponsorship? I mean, that wasn't even his, his worst one. The uh, When it... The other one that got um, disallowed earlier in the game where Farrell ended up just kind of having a like a toddler-style fist fight with the post. <laughs> just couldn't, didn't seem, it seemed to have appeared out of nowhere and he didn't know where the ball is anymore and he just sort of went in a, a big flying fist rage until he stopped and started crying. But then the, the ref said, oh no, it's okay, it's not a goal. So he was like, fine, I'll just let three more in. So I'm just checking one. So Sheffield United was a clean sheet. Villa away was a clean sheet. And then Arsenal and Everton, so four clean sheets he's kept so far this season, according to uh, Wikipedia. But yeah, on Peacock Farrell, I know we we joke about it and poke fun at him and stuff, but I actually feel quite sorry for him. It just feels like he's horribly out of his depth. Do you think he gives a fuck? (sighs) Probably. No, made his bed, didn't he? Now he can lie on it. You think? Yeah. He probably won't play again for another three years. I won't worry about it. It was his choice. Leeds were happy to keep him. We didn't force him out. We didn't have Melier until he'd gone. And he decided he'd rather play for Burnley. He left, didn't he, for first-team football in the Premier League? Well, he got it. Going very well for him, that. <laughs> yes. Now he's, now he's finally got what he always wanted. I mean, there is a certain sympathy. You don't want to see anybody flapping around that way. And I th- but I think it was only he uh, 
Very different to Melier, because what you're talking about with Melier and his instant ability to fix a mistake and the fact that he he comes out looking confident after a solution, whereas Bailey Peacock Farrell, the ball would just fly past him, he wouldn't dive, and he'd just stand there as if, well, that wasn't my fault, which is a very different different kind of way of taking responsibility. You get the feeling Melier will, will knows when he's fucked up and fixes it, I think Bailey Peacock Farrell will still look at some of his. Remember that one in uh, pre-season in Bielsa's first summer, where the ball just flew in at his near post, and it was Shrewsbury or something. And all he had to do was put his hands basically next to his ear, and he would have stopped that ball from going in. But he just struts away from the goals. If well, nobody's stopping that one, are they? <laughs> I bet you're the only person who remembers that goal because I, yeah. you hate him. Yeah, I ain't got a clue. There's probably another video highlights compilation coming, isn't there? You hateful bastard. There isn't enough VHS tape in the world. Uh, On to the reaction of the managers. And Bielsa did that matter of fact, state the facts kind of analysis, as he always tends to do in the wake of these, which I'm starting to enjoy in its own kind of special way now. Well, what was it he said? We also played against a rival who attacked and attacked well, a rival who created goal-scoring opportunities. And when an opponent attacks like they did, if we manage to recover the ball, well, then what happens is perhaps it's less difficult for us to go on the attack. There you go. That's how counter-attacking works. They, they were both very um, basic in their responses to this. Ancelotti described us as a really, really good team, mm-hmm. which is also true. Thank you, Carlo. <laughs> I think they, they seem to be a bit of respect there, didn't they? I mean, I'm not sure. On, I'm never, I've, this is on the Phil Hay show. I'm not sure if Ancelotti's any good or not. He probably is. But has he proved it anywhere, apart from all the European Cups he's won and stuff? <laughs> you know, easy that, isn't it? Yeah. Mind you, Ancelotti's got form in this regard, um, because do you remember he said that... Uh, that quote regarding Liverpool, if you want to beat Liverpool, the secret is to score more goals. Me and Ancelotti, not as different as people might expect. So you're saying you don't know if Ancelotti's any good or not. You think not, and you've just drawn a parallel between you and him, which means you're not very good either. I'm saying I could do the job as well as him. I'm just an eyebrow and a nice coat away from it. One of only three managers to have won the Champions League three times. Yeah, but but who with? Who's he, who's he won it with? Has he won it with Stockport? Yeah, he needs to get back to us when he's kept Aston Villa in the Premier League, doesn't he? That's the thing. All right. Well, that's the story of the game. As for the story of the Everton fans, well, after the batshit madness of the Arsenal fan TV lot last week, this is almost a welcome tonic listening to the Everton fans and their response to this in propaganda, where we find out what they thought about this. I mean, they're a sensible lot, really. Yeah, I can barely find anyone who's unhinged, even the YouTube watch-alongs were fairly sedate. I mean, we've got a clip here of Blue Boys Network, which sounds, which is a great, boys with a Z as well, which is which gives it a nice... It's got a sort of late-night adult chat line <laughs> vibe about it, hasn't it, that? Oh, wait, nine, one. Everton have that history of being the school of science, don't they? So the, you get all the, the Scouts nerds support them and all the, the mad kids go and support the Reds. Such a special club. Well, you can hear on this first clip is the thick Scouse accent might be a little bit hard to understand. Again, just play it around down midfield. Look, there's no one in the middle of the park there. Absolutely no one. He shoots, he scores. That's absolutely embarrassing, Everton. Fuck off. That is absolutely shocking. How can you give him that much room in the middle of the park? Fuck's sake. How, how does that happen? Why is Decore and Allen standing over on the far side where there's four Everton players? Fucking embarrassing. Look at that. Look, Gomez, Gomez, Delph. They're all there. Alan, and he has no one. Godfrey steps out to him. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't engage. Puts it bottom corner. 
Everton are losing. That is a fucking shocking goal to concede that is. And again, shit defending. Fucking typical. Just thinking, you know, I think Sky should adopt this as a kind of a commentary style when they're doing it. Just to really up their game, you know, instead of Martin Tyler trying to be, I don't know, clever and witty and, and all that. Just start effing and jeffing. Well, it did sound like a speeded up Gabby Bonlahar in fairness. I know he's a bit more um, monotone and slow paced, isn't he? But the, the accent was spot on. Yeah, Agbon Lahore's still on, on Windows 95, isn't he? That's his that's his operating system. Just not up to speed yet. Toffee TV, they were disappointingly fair in their post-match. Were they Scouse? Yes. That's an improvement. Is it? They were just much better, the much better side, in, in just general things, like being organised, being disciplined, having a, a plan. We're a team that completely relies on... Richarlison, Hamas Rodriguez and Dominic Carver-Lewin. And if they don't do the job, then we're, we're poor. Leeds are a better team than us because they're a team. They're a team. Would I have any of their players? The goalie, maybe. Phillips, brilliant player. But I wouldn't have too many more, but they're a team. And that's what we're not. And I suppose that's what takes time. But I, I think, yeah, listen, it is um, it is what it is. But I just, I just don't understand why... Players aren't fit enough and why there's not more intensity. I really, I just don't see it. I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. don't understand why players don't look fitter. They looked fit. There was a, I think the commentators said, oh, Leeds are starting to tire now. And yet the last 10 minutes, they, they didn't look tired to me. We looked tired. don't know if somebody's explained to young uh, Jimmy Corkill there, but teams are made up of players. A team takes time. Well, not well, I mean, took six, six weeks, did not yeah. it? Yeah. It's... um. Two things I like about that is is one, it, it repeats, was it the Aston Villa fans who were asking that very simple question, why are Leeds' players all dead fit and ours are all dead ugly? I think it was more about physical fitness, wasn't it, than yeah. um, aesthetics. But same point. And also, they have the England goalkeeper and they don't want him. They want the French under-21s goalkeeper instead. Can you ever imagine having... I mean, I know Peter Shilton has turned out the way he has, but there is a certain respect that goes along with being the, the goalkeeper of the England national football team where you, you wouldn't just discard him so easily. And yet, I suppose Jordan Pickford is a bit of a twat, isn't he? <laughs> Very different temperaments, aren't they? I would say. Like if I can imagine Jordan Pickford throwing patio furniture around somewhere while Melier sits with a cigar. And a brandy in the corner just watching the madness unfold. Isn't there a video of Pickford doing exactly that outside of Weatherspoons in Sunderland? Maybe that's why it's stuck in my head. And it, of course it's a Weatherspoons in Sunderland. On to the Royal Blue podcast, who were also annoyingly nice about us. I thought Leeds were good, actually. I mean, it would have been a great game to go to, wouldn't it? By the way, it'd be the fallout that game. Front of yeah. I can't remember the last team to have 23 attempts on goal against us at Goodison. Uh, to be honest, in one game, you know, probably, you know, but they, they were always a threat. I thought they were excellent, and mm. but they give you they give you a problem really that I don't think many other teams in the top flight do, and also has to be seen in that context. Nothing really to take the piss out of there, is there? <laughs> That's a pretty fair analysis. It is a recurring theme, this though, that people say, well, it's Leeds and it's a one-off. We don't have to face that every week, which is what we thought. Well, it's normally what teams who come up say when they play Man City or someone, isn't it? They say, well. Of course, we're not going to win that. A bit like Sean Dyche says after playing Man City. In fact, after about their ninth year in the Premier League, he just goes, well, what can you do? That was um, the point of Graham Smith's match report in the YEP as well, where he had Steve Bruce um, being asked if he's ever if he ever considers going for it against the big teams. And he's saying, look, you know, 
we'd all like to be able to attack, but none of us, you know, we haven't got the players of a Manchester City or a Liverpool. How can you expect us to to play like they do? Leeds do, and we do it better. I mean, we beat both Manchester City and Liverpool so far this season. Yep, and Arsenal. Second way on Merseyside this one, wasn't it, of the season? So we've uh, we've shown how easy it is to do, and it's a good place to be where teams, the likes of Everton, who... Are very, I mean, they define that likes of Everton thing, don't they? Where they're expected to try and scrape into the Europa League, but that's where we've been kind of aiming for in our uh, the sensible parts of our brain. But the the teams occupying that seven, eighth, ninth position are frightened of us, which is great. It is, and you make a very good point there. What Bielsa and what Leeds are doing this season, if we want to hold a mirror up to ourselves, is we're embarrassing some of these other managers who are making claims like Bruce is making there, well, we, we can't do, well, we, you can do that. Look, there is there is a living, breathing example here of exactly what you can do if you're ambitious. And what that will do is it'll cause pressure from other fans to, to apply it to their managers and their teams and their clubs because it can be done. Okay, you need one of the world's best maverick coaches to do it, but it can be done. If you're a Burnley fan and you're looking at Sean Dyche and you're ready for your annual 5-0 shoeing at Manchester City and he's picking Bailey Peacock Farrell as well. There's a question has to be asked of like, well, could we aim for 4-0 maybe? Just something, just give us something. Progress, progress. Yeah, something to, to hold on to. People could rightly point out as well that we have now spent some money like Cock and Rodrigo and Rafinha. These are all people we spent quite a bit of money on. But also if we didn't have those players, our style would be exactly the same. If for some reason they were all ruled out and it was Perveda and it was Jamie Shackleton in the team, it wouldn't change. We'd be trying to do exactly the same things. If we had a team consisting of free transfers, Bielsa would be still trying to do this. So we'd be probably getting spanked more often with it, but we'd still be trying. The Aston Villa game is the perfect illustration of what you're talking about, where we started with Stroik because Calvin Phillips isn't there. Took him off after 20 minutes, put Jamie Shackleton in, moved everybody around. Nobody knows what's happening. Where's, where's anybody supposed to be playing? And we absolutely smacked them. Beautiful. Steve Nicholl then, he didn't cover our game, did he? He didn't, I was trying to find, because everyone agreed essentially that this was a really good game and it was very entertaining end-to-end stuff. I was hoping to have him being miserable about it and saying how terrible we were, but Spurs did go top of the league and Mourinho's in charge. We know he doesn't like the free-flowing stuff, so you should surely like Mourinho, won't he? Nice and defensive, control, Mm. sustainable, (laughs) but he doesn't. They have everything except, I'm not so sure that they have... They have the confidence to go and just outplay teams. You know, we saw we saw Spurs sitting tight, men behind the ball, breaking against City. Fantastic victory. But when have we seen Spurs, from the first whistle to the last whistle, go and dominate teams? And we, we, we haven't seen that at all. Uh, and so... I think they've got a squad suppose, that can do that. Like, Stevie, just not, Spurs not, fans are I'm, shouting, I'm, Manchester I'm United, sure that, they're shouting Southampton at the screens right now. Why would they do that? Well, because they thrash United 6-1 and they beat <laughs> Southampton 6-2. That's dominating, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, <laughs> I mean, Steve Nichol, I mean, I, I'm sat here agog, aghast at that. I'm not so sure they've got the confidence to outplay teams. That's what we do. And as soon as we do that, oh, that's not sustainable. I mean, what does he want, the miserable fuck? He he wants um, not to have to do any research. I mean, I know we're guilty of it, but none of us are on ESPN. But I, I love his absolute dismissal of, well, 
did they? Did they beat Manchester United six one? I mean, I'm, I'm not, not so sure. I'm not sure that happened. The massive, this. the massive pause is that of a man who has been given some new information, and rather than go, oh yeah, that's no, that's probably fair. Actually, just gone. Nah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see those games, so you can't tell me that they uh, they contradict what I'm saying because I don't think they happened. We'll come on to this in a future episode, probably. But I did also find a clip of him admitting that he basically only eats shepherd's pie. So far, so good then. And if you want to have a look back on the first quarter of the season in the Premier League, check out what Phil's been writing about this week on The Athletic. On there, a nice piece on Matthias Klich as well. And all the coverage that Phil has of Leeds United is on The Athletic. Plenty more football on there and sports coverage from around the world. Still time if you are quick to take advantage of the Black Friday deal on The Athletic and get it for a pound a month for your first year. Details at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Well, it's the stuff that dreams were made of. When we are lifting that trophy at Wembley or to a full house, let's hope, in May, we can look back on this as the first step down the yellow brick road towards Oz and Crawley in January away. Oh, if along the way we can drop a house on a couple of wicked witches because they're all going to crawl out the woodwork with this one at Crawley. And that's what upsets me most about this. I don't mind playing, you know, a team from League Two, whatever. But not only is there the Steve Evans Association, they are his former club. So he's going to have a lot to say about this. They're also um, the club that sacked Harold Kuehl when he managed them as well. So it really is just all the associations that we're going to have to listen to. Of course, this club, what, well, what links this club? Ha, 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 Harold Cure. We don't want to hear about him, please. There needs to be, does somebody put out a memo in advance for anybody who's saying, you know who we could, who we could interview? The, the Leeds fans would love to hear from him. Harry Cure. Let's go see, <laughs> let's go do a catch up with him. We could do like a, a nice package for football focus about him. They just need to get that memo out there. Say, no, don't do him. Ooh, okay then. Well, if that's a bit uh, controversial. What about Steve Evans' life story? That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Steve Evans tells us he's very popular at Leeds because he's. St- I think he still thinks he is, doesn't he? Oh, they loved me up there. You know, because I, 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 I found Ronaldo Vieira for them and when I went there, Solomon Dakara, his his heart was crying and within a week, there was such a big smile on his face and uh, yeah, I just told him what to do to shoot and, and that he scored loads of goals and really... He's given me one of his children uh, in perpetuity. So any money they make is going to be uh, paid over to to my family. Et cetera, et cetera. It was when Steve Evans left Crawley that there was there was the um, video of going to sing a song because the fat man's gone, wasn't there? Yes, there was. Um, Which is was, the whole squad essentially having a big party because Steve Evans has been sacked. And it was uh, different from when he left his previous job at, at Boston where he um, was guilty of fraud. So all uh, all sorts of ways of leaving jobs and begged to not be sent to prison. He did. He said he wouldn't last a day. Therefore, he he, he did not want to go to <laughs> with jail the, with these eyes in prison. And with essentially the uh, the judge just agreed. Said, "Yeah, you are so pitiful that I will not send you to jail because you are an absolute joke." And the bunks would not be up to it. And looking at the map, it's sort of it's almost like a what's an extended 
Croydon Crystal Palace vibe to it because it's south of the M25. I'm just looking. There's a there's a motorway spur, the M23 that runs off there, south from the M25, away from Croydon, down towards Crawley. And if you carry on, you can go to Brighton and rescue poor little Ben White. It's essentially a motorway junction next to an airport. I mean, if you are in Crawley and you wish to correct me on that, feel free to get in touch. It feels like we've drawn a non-league team, does Crawley. I can't quite accept them as being a League Two side. We have spoken about them earlier on this season, I think, on the podcast, haven't we? And said similar, like Why? they shouldn't be entitled to have a... Um, I can't remember. It might have been in relation to Kuehl. That's how significant they are. I can't even remember. <laughs> I mean, and all this is just paving the way for an awful defeat in the bloody wintry cold in January, it's, isn't it? It'll be a good chance for us to give some of the young players a go, like Kiko Casilla and... Lorente. Uh, Lorente and Pablo Hernandez. Give yeah. them a run out. See, let's see what we can do, these boys. There's a lot of kind of oh, banana skin vibes about this one on Twitter, but I'm not particularly worried. I think Leeds United 2.0, Premier League Leeds United 2.0, doesn't give me undue cause for concern. Of course, you can always lose these, but I fancy us to win this one. I think we're wary because we've been derailed by the, the third round disasters in the past and even earlier rounds, but it's different from the Gary Monk one that we're talking about on the extra ball at the moment when we lost to Sutton. But that team that he selected and everything that was going on was all the symptom of much more going on around the club than just, oh, we got knocked out by a, a non-league team or a low-league team. I can't remember what division some were in at the time. And then the Thomas Christensen with Newport when um, Ben White was bossing Pierre-Michel Lasogra around and none of us knew our future paths. Um, Samuel Saiz and his spitting, it was, you couldn't really say that that one game was the turning point. There was so much going on the Felix Viedvald disintegrating before our eyes so he's ended up being banned for ages and who who was the fat keeper in the pie thing with the sponsors with that the song was that Sutton. was Sutton yeah right? um, don't remember his, his name now. Wayne something wasn't he Ian Baird was their manager at the time wasn't he or at least was involved but we've been knocked out of the FA Cup under Bielsa and everything's been absolutely fine so I don't think it's a it's a problem we've seen from um his team selections in the cups as well that he's he is willing to to bend and experiment. Although with the lighter schedule in the Premier League, not that Jurgen Klopp seems to think there is one, we do have room to fill the uh, the ten or eight games that we don't have to play in this division compared to the Championship with an FA Cup run and win it, get into Europe, put the FA Cup in the cabinet for the second time, and then. Three months later, if we've learned anything from Arsenal, we can just moan like children because we haven't won it again. Are they in uh, a tier two area? Does that mean people can attend? I'm confused by this. That's a point, actually. I'd not thought about that. Probably. The but south, It's, it's near they? London, isn't it? They're going to get all the breaks down there. Yeah, we probably allowed some people in. So let's assume it. So if it is tier two, that's 2,000 people. Is it? Obviously, it's going to be a sellout because it's big tie for them, isn't it? But uh, They'll have to be careful with their... Um, manager because he doesn't seem like the sort of person who wants to be around people from the little uh, bits I've seen of him his um, interviews after matches he was asked um, the question asked of him are oh, some people in the stand weren't sure why you took your striker off he says, well it's nothing to do with them yeah well what I'll do is by the magic of editing I don't have the clip now but I'll pop the clip in here for the listener so enjoy this there's a few people in the second half, John, who sort of raised their eyebrows a little bit at, at Max Waters coming off, given that he'd got the goal and caused so many problems in the first half. Was that a, a tactical issue or, or was he still trying to gain more match fitness? Do you think I give a monkey's of what people think for the decisions that we make? 
So just that's our decision when we made that. So people that think that they want to ask, just have a look at how the boy was running for starters. So it's a ridiculous question. We decide when people come off the pitch and I don't care what people say understands the stands. They mind their own business. I mean, if he's there, I wouldn't want to be there. Obviously, we'll deal with that in uh, in due course when we know if people can be there and what Crawley are all about, apart from being next to Gatwick Airport. Do you think we'll fly there? Yes. I mean, you might as well. Chance to go on an aeroplane. That's always fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. Uh, other news then from Ellen Road. We now have a Jack Charlton stand. Well, high sense as well. A fitting tribute to a, to a great player having white goods slapped to your flanks. He loved his tumble dryers. But, well, it's going to happen, isn't it? It does. It is bound to be sponsored because it's the most sponsorable bit, isn't it? It's like a big billboard. It, it can be sponsored, but when Clipper Logistics were sponsoring it, you know, they had the, the self-respect to just put that nice drawing of a flying donkey on the side of it. This looks like an advert in a local newspaper for an end-of-line sale. Boxing Day sales. Get your, your, there's, there's an actual photograph of a fridge freezer on the side of these stand and there's going back to Pierre Michel Lasaga again. This is the this is the football club that just signed a deal with Rock Nation, and <laughs> you, you know you you're going to go down to Elland Road and you know at least these, make it a smeg fridge. There's these like wonderful murals across the city, and you know every, this explosion of art, and somebody's just gone. I mean, as well, it's the the television that's on there as well, the big widescreen telly, which is what Highsense are more known for. The fridges and the freezers are new technology from them, they've put a Leeds United badge in the telly as if it's showing the, you know, the Leeds United badges on TV, but it's not even aligned properly. It doesn't sit on the screen right. It's such a bad botch-up job. And then it's huge. It's so big. Yeah, it's all, bring back Lurpak. We thought Lurpak was, people were embarrassed and we had Douglas the Butterman (laughs) wandering around with his trombone. All absolutely fine. There wasn't just least, <laughs> anyone, anyone new to Leeds will be really confused. At least at that point, they didn't just go. They, I'm they thinking back to, the, to our Hollywood podcast. And, <laughs> you remember when there used to be a butterman walking around? Paul Max Winkland now trying to <laughs> decipher what the fuck you're talking they, about. They didn't. We were spon- the stand was sponsored by the butter manufacturer Lurpak, and they had Douglas, who was a tr- trombone. Yes, a trombone pain man made of butter. <laughs> yes. None of this is not. True. It's and, all true. And what's also true is that they didn't look at the big space on the side, the wings of the east stand, and put a photograph of like a big slab of butter on it. Mm. <sighs> but but it, it did have an active tromboning on there. So, you know, that was interesting in itself. Anyway, a touching tribute is what you're saying. <laughs> it would be, maybe it would be nicer to have a picture of Jack Charlton on there. Something like that. That would, you know, a nice portrait of leaning, the man. On, leaning on a fridge. Yeah, saying, <laughs> Getting his shredded wheat. <laughs> <laughs> getting his milk out of the fridge. It's nice to have um, the stand named after him. Yeah. There is the slight um, worry is set in because they've all been named now, so we've got nowhere to go after this. Although there's the corners, mm. we can still do, um, I suppose the northeast has got the, uh, sorry, the northwest has got the, the captain's lounge, the northeast is unnamed. So maybe you could do something with the corners. But if you were going to sort of finish off the naming of the, the stands, Don Revy, obviously, John Charles basically paid for the West End to be built by being sold to Juventus and also is underrated purely because there isn't as much footage of him, but always worth emphasising, he was Lionel Messi, he was Cristiano Ronaldo, he was Rafinha, he was the world's greatest footballer for a decade. 
And the Norman Hunter, Southstand Norman Hunter, just for his longevity, his association with the club, beyond his incredible playing career. And then Jack Charlton, longest serving player, I think, but certainly played more games than anybody else, only by a hair from Billy Bremner. But Bremner's got the statue, which, as our greatest captain, he deserves. So there's kind of the the real big ones that need taken care of in some ways are now. They all have them. And then it'll be a question for the, the hopefully the, the very distant future, unless we decide to do things while they're alive, of uh, what we do about Howard Wilkinson, Gordon Strachan. And the, the, Eddie the, Gray. And, yeah. yeah, the next generation. Eddie will need something, I'd say, you know, just rename the fucking city. <laughs> Fine. Uh, I'll tell you what I've noticed from driving in today, because our new studio is in the shadow of Ellen Road. The floodlights are going up, and I can confirm what John Howe revealed a little while ago. John Howe, you'll know, he writes for the Square Ball. He also does some stuff on the Legion United website. Author of the A to Z of Ellen Road, the only place for us, available from all good bookshops. Yep. Some bad ones as well. uh, He mentioned that the new floodlights are diamond-shaped. Can confirm, drove in on the M621 this morning and saw a diamond light being erected in the uh, northwest corner, which is nice. It's a nice nod back to our heritage. Let's rip the ones off the uh, the east stand as well. Put more pillars up. Yeah, make them all really, really tall. We could build some pylons that are like the tallest in the world, couldn't we? Mm. That'd be good. We should do that. We should give that a waz. And um, we mentioned this on the Phil Hay Show. We did uh, quite a bit on this at length about Bielsa being nominated for Coach of the Year. Funny just how much it's upset people, isn't it? More than anything. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's flushed out the, the traditional football men who think that Dean Smith avoiding relegation on uh, technicality was worthy of a nomination and Chris Wilder, who in fairness was having a good season, but is now getting Sheffield United relegated with a record low number of points. Yeah, we should point out it's coach of the year, not of the season. And the year is, for anyone who hasn't noticed, 2020. Quite an eventful year in the grand scheme of things. And the latter part of this is going really badly for Chris Wilder. I'm pretty sure the end of last season wasn't great for him either. I think mm. they, they did well in the early part of last season, didn't they? And then it did tail off a bit, because at one point they looked like they might get into Europe, and then it, it fell away quite badly. And it's a world award as well. It's the FIFA world, the best. I mean, they give it some weird nomenclature where it's like the FIFA, the best men's coach of the year, but it's the world. And there's a lot of, um, there's probably too much attention because it's nearby. Should Chris Wilder be nominated? Should no. Frank Lampard be nominated. Absolutely, he thinks so. Dean Smith be nominated. In Brazil, there's quite a lot of anger because um, Jorge Jesus, who is now at Benfica, managed Flamengo to the Brazilian and Copa Libertadores double, which he just is never done and doesn't even have a, a look in. So there's some anger there about how Eurocentric this is. And then how are you going to appease them? How must it go down in Brazil if they find out that the argument in Europe is that Chris Wilder should be nominated ahead of other people. And, uh, you know, well, Dean Smith, he won the Copa Libertadores and the Brazilian Championship. And you want to give it to somebody who finished, where did this this Dean Smith finish remind me? Well, I'm just looking at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the table right now. And Sheffield United currently in 20th position out of 20 clubs in the English Premier League. Uh, they've got one point from 10 games, which is a points per game of 0.1. Coach of the year. I mean, that's better than a Copa Libertadores. I mean, who even cares about the Copa Libertadores? It's just hipster rubbish because everybody in South American is a hipster who only likes football for the fashion. 
That's it. They just they just walk around reading Graham Greene novels, don't they? That's all that happens. Anyway, so he's going to win that, obviously. Calvin Phillips is probably going to win a Grammy because he's now featuring on Dua Lipa's stuff. Is that the right way to describe it? The online concert. Which, Studio 2054. This is Radrazani, isn't it? No, I don't think so. I don't think it was broadcast by his bunch. Are you sure? I... I I beg to differ. I'm sure there's something to do with Razzani. Leeds United sent me an email about it. Yeah, it may have been, but we also, Dua Lipa is represented by TAP Music and Leeds signed that deal with TAP Sport, which is their offshoot agency. And Calvin Phillips has an individual agreement with TAP. It's when Kevin Sharp said, we were delighted to welcome them to Team Calvin. So I wasn't, I don't think it's live something that Radrizzani runs, but I think this may have been not their production, but that Calvin Phillips' presence within it was to do with the deal with TAP um, and his own personal deal as well. So that's all all fits together, which is why it wasn't, um, it was Calvin Phillips rather than Gianni Alioski, even though he could talk Albanian with Dua Lipa because they both speak English and Albanian. They have that in common. They are also both Alioski and Duo Lipa, Bezo Sopranos. They have that in common as well. So maybe he should have been there instead of Calvin. I've not, I've not heard Calvin sing. Yeah, I've dug out the, uh, the press release. Talent management agency TAP, which counts the likes of Dua Lipa, Lana Del Rey and Ellie Goulding among its roster, has launched a new sport consultancy, TAP Sports, with initial clients, Leeds United and England's Calvin Phillips. I mean, it all fits together because Ellie Goulding's in there as well and her live production was broadcast by... Radrizzani's company. So it all kind of slots in together. But essentially, I mean, the Brit Awards, if we remember when David Haig went along with the Cellino children and Terry George, are going to look very different next year when it is essentially just Stuart Dallas presenting um, and giving all the awards out. Fingers in pies by the looks of it. Everyone's talking about this. This is like, this is the first time Leeds United have been involved with pop music. But who, who can forget Rod Stewart? And Sean Harvey bringing that to Ellen Road. It's, I mean, this this modern stuff. Rock Nation, Rock Schmation. Exactly. It is, it's a return to the, the Premier League and the, the club we were. I remember distinctly as a, as a youngster when Madonna brought out her book Sex and it was broadcast. They had the, the book launch was on the, the news and it's about 1991. And Leslie Ash was there with her husband, Leeds United's number nine, Lee Chapman. So mm. it, it's just kind of restoring us back to where we always were and always should have been. Leeds United, showbiz and box office. And that segues nicely into the, the movement of fixtures. And we're on telly for all of them forevermore. At least they're giving us a bit of money for this, presumably. So, I mean, some of these are the traditional broadcast slots, which we'll get paid the Sky money for. Some of them are not, where you presume there's no extra income from it. But it's nice to be able to watch Leeds United all the time. Chelsea, obviously on Saturday, 8pm kickoff on Sky Saturday night. That's annoying, isn't it? A little bit, because we've got to come and sit in here with each other again and we all hate each other, really, when the mics are closed. And then West Ham is a Friday night, 8 o'clock kickoff. We've got Newcastle midweek. We knew about this because it's in the Amazon round of fixtures, isn't it? Midweek on the 16th of December. 6 o'clock kickoff, though, on a Wednesday. That's not a time for football, is it? That's Neighbours or something should be on at 6 o'clock on a Wednesday. Scumbag fixture, 20th of December, 4.30 on Sky. Burnley, day after Boxing Day, noon on Sky. And West Brom, 6pm, Amazon, Tuesday the 29th of December. That's the weird week between Christmas and New Year where nothing makes any sense anyway. Well, it's better than pay-per-view, I suppose, isn't it? Even if you do have to pay for all of these platforms. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To Stamford Bridge and Saturday's kickoff at eight o'clock. Rubbish. Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Rubbish. But I mean, what a job he's done. What a guy. What a man. What a coach. Transformed him, hasn't he? Got to remember before before he got there, what were they? Fourth? And they were the uh, Europa League holders as well. So didn't bother with that anymore. <laughs> got that monkey off the back. Well, it was the lesser of the European competitions, wasn't it? So better not to have to have to mention it. Embarrassing. Well, certainly the uh, the Chelsea fans were were not happy about winning it, were they? That's, so they had to get rid of the coach and get in a new one. So he did that, uh, did right by them there. And I bet Frank hates Europe. He's going to be looking forward to January the first. Is Frank? Well, is he even allowed in airports after the him and Jody Morris and the the nine eleven incident? I would have thought he would be banned from Heathrow. Maybe they still let him go from elsewhere. To be clear, they did not commit that particular. Um, <laughs> it was they were laughing and joking about it weren't they in yes, an airport they were, on in like... front of a bunch of um, American tourists who were enormously distressed yeah different times different times for Frank he's a statesman now isn't he uh, and we know I mean looking back on it he gets upset very easily doesn't he as it turns out so it's surprising he was not more sensitive to them um, no well it's not surprising because he gets upset very easily about things that happen to him ah, but things that happen to other people I don't think he gives a fuck my overriding thoughts about this game on Saturday is that no matter which way this goes, even if they dish out a spanking towards us, he'll still be upset about something, some perceived um, indiscretion that's been handed to him. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Bielsa talking funny on the touchline, something like that. Talking in Spanish, wasn't he? Well, I mean, that's secret language, isn't it? That's rude to speak in a way that Frank doesn't understand. The touchline code is his big problem. He does spend a lot of time policing other people's behaviour on the touchline as he was doing with Jurgen Klopp. And I think that's that would be him all over. If he'd, He'll be that person who said, oh, are you going to have another drink? I, th- I think you've had enough, haven't you? Nothing to do. I'm going to get you a glass of water. Fuck off, Frank. I can, I'm, a, I'm a grown-up. I can do what the fuck I want. Nah, 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 you've had too much. You can't drink like Jody can. It's telling that he's not had one of these meltdowns in a while because they've been winning games. With the moment things turn against him, he becomes such a little 
pretty bitch about things. Oh, sir, sir. What was he annoyed about with Liverpool this year, was it? They celebrated a goal. Oh, okay. Because it was the previous year, wasn't it, that he was having to go at them about celebrating winning a league title for the first time in 20-odd years. I think that's all the same. Oh, was it all the same one? Yeah, it was the same thing because it, it happened after lockdown, um, which is maybe why you're thinking it was still this season, but it was... Um, They've lost to him this season as well, though. I think he was annoyed about something then too. I mean, it's hard to keep track of all the things he's, he's annoyed yeah, I, about. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because it was Anfield was the original back and forth with Klopp, I think. But then the defeat this season was at Stamford Bridge, wasn't it? When Liverpool went down there and um, comprehensively outplayed them. Does this, does this one feel like a free hit to you? It feels like a bit of a free hit to me because when you look at it, all the pressure is on him. And I think that's why he does react like a prissy little bitch because he's under such tremendous pressure even though this was all handed to him on a silver platter, this whole job, this whole experience. He is under a lot of pressure to deliver, given the amount of money they've spent. And we're under no pressure, so we can just go there and have a jolly nice time, and hopefully will. I mean, has he got time to buy another goalkeeper before this game? I mean, he's only, he's only got, what, like 100 and odd million pounds worth of goal. In fact, how much was the new one? 22 million. Okay, 71 yeah. million on the old one. And don't forget, they've got Petr Cech registered as a player as well, haven't they? <laughs> so, I mean... Who knows what what he'll do before this game. He'll probably apply to FIFA to open the transfer window for him again or something so he can get some more players in. He's like his um, his uncle in many ways, isn't he? Just needs a couple more players all the time. I mean, they've got a really good team. They could well beat us, as Moscow said. If they do, ah, well. As long as we don't, you know, embarrass ourselves, then fine. But even when we've taken a couple of pastings, like, you know, against Palace and against Leicester, you could argue that things could have swung differently in either of those games. You've got, the, you know, the VAR goal, in the in the Palace game, and again with Leicester, if we don't make that error early on, and you know we get the goal back in response early doors before they score, it just it could have been vastly different. And Chelsea are doing fairly well in the league at the moment, but if you look at who they've beaten recently, they've beaten Newcastle and Sheffield United and Burnley, and they've drawn with Scum and they've drawn with Southampton and they've drawn with Spurs. They're not great by any stretch. It's not like they are Liverpool of last season who are romping away at the top. They are just about beating teams they should beat and occasionally drawing against people who they should also beat. So, well, I mean, there's no point saying we should just go at them because we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll beat them. There will be fans in the stadium for this one, though. Mm. Paying £75 a ticket oh, to yeah. watch their team lose. I think we're beating them, and I think it's going to be um, maximum upset on the Lampard scale. He's going to be very, very unhappy after this because it's going to bring... There was a bit, there's been a bit of distance since the playoff semi-final where, you know, there's been questions asked of of the the damage he left behind him at Derby where he's like oh well you know they're, they're going out drinking it's not nothing to do with me it was, they were all great lads when I was there and the uh, the Bielsa being nominated for the well winning and Leeds winning the, the fair play award he was asked about that and kind of laughed and said it seemed like a strange decision but there was some distance there because we were in different divisions this week and this game is going to bring all of that back up because We've all seen it this season where the the articles about Leeds United in some of the bigger newspapers kind of tell us things that we always that we already know because we forget that there's a, a generation of people who haven't paid any attention to Marcelo Bielsa and Leeds United, therefore don't understand why he is a better coach than Dean Smith. And they'll be explaining all this to their audiences by rehashing Spygate and rehashing the stop crying stuff. So it's all going to come back. So Lampard's going to have a week of it all in his face. And even though he did win the semi-final and he had his, his big special night running up that bar bill and trashing our changing rooms, ultimately they lost because he's shit. 
<laughs> and in the build-up to this, he will be asked about Spygate, and he will say he doesn't want to talk about it, and then proceed to talk about it yep. for absolutely ages. Bielsa will say he doesn't want to talk about it, and therefore not. Yeah, you're because absolutely that, right. Because that is an option you have if yeah, people ask you something you don't want to talk about. But he can't let it go, can he? Because nope. he's been slighted. Because he's been slighted. Yep. What I enjoy about um, Lampard, you'll notice this when he does the, the pre-match and the post-match interviews, and depending on how the game has gone, will dictate what happens in the post-match. But pre-match, just watching when he does the interviews, he has two modes, does Lampard. He's got serious mode, very serious, earnest face, talking very earnestly about things and football. But then he'll flip into, like, the, there's a flip of a switch, and he'll slip into joking with the interviewer, kind of just making like, hey, Jeff. <laughs> but, you know, seriously, we've got to, uh, you know, we've got to. And, then, and, he, and he slips between them seamlessly and very, very quickly. He goes, he does the joke opener, doesn't he? Then, no, but seriously, that's, yeah. his, that's his standard format, unless he's lost. And then he knows he has to do serious from the yeah, start. Very earnest. But very then he also has to try and slip a joke in there to show that the defeat isn't getting to him. You know, I've, I've, I may have lost this round, but I've still got my sense of humour. No sense of humour. We beat him, don't we? We do. Yeah, let's. What's wrong with the Premier League? Plenty's bloody wrong with the Premier League, but we are here to sort it out. We're improving it. We're on telly all the time, embarrassing the rest of the TV coverage. Because we played Everton on Saturday evening. What was the game that was on after us? West Brom against Sheffield United. Pa. Rubbish. So we're just embarrassing the whole, the whole setup has been exposed as a sham. Thankfully, we are going to fix it and we are going to give you the fast track to how to get it fixed sooner by listening to this bit. What's wrong with the Premier League? Uh, what is wrong with the Premier League this week? But speaking of embarrassing people on TV, uh, Bailey Peacock-Farrell embarrassing himself. Why can a Premier League team spend £3.5 million on Bailey Peacock-Farrell in the first place? That's what's wrong with it. There's obviously too much money in it. If they, if Burnley had three and a half million pounds spare, and then presumably they didn't scout Bailey Peacock Farrell, but they saw he was at Leeds and young and English, stroke Northern Irish, and went. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget he's a he's a proud Ulsterman, sort of from York. I, I bet he doesn't give a fuck about the Republic of Ireland. Uh, oh god. <laughs> I bet he doesn't give a fuck about Northern Ireland, does he? To be honest, just, we're just going to send Michael over to Stormont. <laughs> just want some, uh, just want some games. But I think that basically we need to take all of the money out of the Premier League. Stop frivolous purchasing of lower league players because it just ruins their careers. And I feel sorry for um, Joffy. But that three and a half million pounds was good for us. Yes, that's the other side of this, isn't it? They, but it's only good for us because they didn't realise they were buying someone's shit. Mm. They could equally have. It's happened to us with with good players in the past. We saw Fabian Delph playing for Everton. It happened there. Mm. Not fair. So how do we fix it? Take all the money away. But this seems to be the, the answer we come, come, back, come back to most weeks with this. If there's too much money, it's silly. And yet here we are, having you know dropped 100 million on transfers. Aren't you being a bit of a hypocrite? Uh, yes. Fine. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. So we're stripping the money out for everybody else, but not us. Um, no, but we, we're using our money sensibly. That's what I'm saying. The Premier League allows you to make stupid signings like Billy Peacock for over three and a half million pounds. We've we've been thoughtful with our money. They've just gone, oh, someone. Get a keeper out of the championship, Sean. We'll propose a solution then. How are we going to fix it? Make Burnley do some scouting. <laughs> I don't know if it's as simple as scouting, though, because you've got to remember how long Sean Dyche has, has had him there. Maybe Sean Dyche himself needs to, to look at what he's done. It's not just the money, but how he's training him. He he was very, uh, the headline on Burnley's website before the match was Deitch backs Bailey to deliver. And I don't know if, um, if these quotes perhaps will shed some light on the situation. I think we've got the recording from his pregame press conference. It can surprise you because when a new goalkeeper comes in, there's a new voice. I can bring a new alertness to the others. 
sometimes with a familiar voice, you get used to it. Although my experience, so that will be different with Bailey coming in. He's an international goalkeeper, don't forget. And he, he doesn't always have it easy on that script either. He's used to spells with the game gets tough and you're a defensive unit working out in front of you. I think Sean Dyche might have to spend more than three and a half million pounds if he needs to find a new voice for his players to be listening to. Thanks to Levi Solicitors for their continued support on the Square Ball podcast. They have 85 years of legal excellence under their belts. A Leeds company you can get behind to transparency with their fees so you know what you're paying. And they do all sorts, either for your business or for you personally, including residential property disputes. If you need conveyancing for your house move or you are buying a new build residential property, get in touch with Levi's and secure your 10% discount as a listener to this show via levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Last part of the podcast, if you're a regular listener, you know what's coming. It's heroes and villains, the people who've done good or bad by us across the last week. We split this into two parts. Part one is the Ken Bates Villainy Award, someone who's not been particularly nice. Um, Named in honour of Ken Bates, we recently ditched the Ken Bates nomination element of this. However, he's making a comeback. He is because there was a video the Football League put out of Clark Carlisle telling the story of Ken Bates sending him a, a gift when he left Leeds, which was a bouquet of flowers with a card attached saying, good luck at Watford, you'll need it, which then Clark sent back to him with a good luck in the championship, you'll need it after they beat us in the playoffs, which is, I have to say, absolutely fair enough because it's a, it's an absolute dick of a thing to have done by uh, for Ken. And you've got to remember that's probably the censored version that Susanna allowed him to send. I dread to think what the initial version will have been. I'm going to, I'm going to shit in it. <laughs> no, Ken. <laughs> you can't do that. No, you'll have to go to Interflora here. So, yeah, he's. Um, it's not surprising to learn that he's a dick, but he is. We're not learning, we're confirming. Yes, very true. Do we want to nominate James Rodriguez for his porcine activities at the weekend? Squealing like a pig on, yep. on this occasion. Yeah, it's a, a certain referee... <laughs> Sweating, casting, through. casting jealous eyes. Yes, yeah, getting very nervous watching that match. But yeah, I didn't like the way he went down, um, squealing when Calvin tapped his ankle. He's got one of those faces as well, a bit like Richarlison had it actually in that game as well. Grealish has got it, Zaha has got it. That permanently aggrieved. I can't believe this has just happened to me. Face as if he's permanently being assaulted when actually what's happened normally is some very very minor contact. I mean, we can't nominate Jack Grealish for this because it only validates what he's doing. And you know what the Villa lot are like. They're absolute maniacs when it comes to their uh, their golden boy. But that thing against West Ham, Jesus Christ. I mean, have some self-respect. I mean, for example, we need to be careful not to be too hypocritical because Alioski went down very easily with Pepe. He did and, it at the right time, though. Yeah, and he got him sent off, ultimately. And his- he had been headbutted. No, I get that. But he hadn't been headbutted to the point where it knocked him off his feet. He, he exaggerated his response in order to make sure the right outcome came, which you could you could apply if you've been entirely fair to Jack Grealish about no, what he's doing. He couldn't because he but, didn't exaggerate a response. He he invented a response. Alioski's been headbutted and his head goes backwards and he gets he just goes, Right, I'll just keep falling until I hit the ground. Jack Grealish gets a tap on the ankles and he stops and he thinks, Oh, weigh up my options here. What am I gonna do? Well, I could play on. Or I could grab the wrong leg, throw myself to the floor and cry. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's the difference. If, you know, you kick him and he starts going down and he just makes sure he goes down instead of trying to keep his balance. Okay, that's that's maybe fair enough. He also but he showed a bit of incredible strength 
like in the within the same move as well, where he, he kind of backs into the defender and manages to shield the ball from him, shows that he can he can really stand up to people if he wants to. He's he's an athlete and he's Do quite you know strong. He's a good footballer. He's a he's really good. good player, isn't he? He's this far away from punching himself. <laughs> it's one that days he's going to be standing, wait for a corner to come in. He's going to slap himself and go down and start <laughs> ref ref, <laughs> Make, drawing a TV symbol out with his hands. Uh, so diving twats, right? Who else? Matt Law. Who does he write for? Is it the Telegraph? The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Yes. Yeah, he was the main cheerleader for Bielsa and Dean Smith and, and made the point that English people are not allowed to be nominated or recognised, apparently. As I said earlier, go to Brazil and tell the Flamengo fans about this anti-English bias. He also, the the most outrageous part of uh, of Matt Law's... Um, Existence? Well, on this particular day was when he came back at lunchtime and was like, well, I seem to have upset a lot of Leeds fans with one 29-word tweet, so now I've written a 600-word column about it, which is just admitting that you are not. I mean, he's he's their football reporter. I think he's a, specifically a Chelsea-concentrated correspondent. So you're there to report on that football team and share information with people who want to find out more things about what's happening at, at Chelsea Football Club and in, in Premier League football. But he's just exposing it. No, actually, I think I'm just going to wind they wind people up. So I get loads of people on Twitter calling me names. What's mm. that? I mean, that's not a job. Yeah. I, do you know what? I think he he might be. I mean, and see if you agree with me on this. Just an opinion. Going to put it out there. Weigh it up. Give me your feedback on it. I think he might be a one-eyed, myopic, little Englander twat. One of his uh, arguments in favour of Frank Lampard getting the job, and I, I couldn't, he doesn't seem like somebody who has a very well-developed sense of humour. So I'm assuming it's not meant as a joke. But among the things that he included in Frank Lampard's credit column of why he should be the world's best men's coach for 2020 was that he had Kepper in goal. That's the thing, is it? Yes, he he had to get through a season with a £72 million goalkeeper. How's he done it though, Moscow? Bloody hell, I mean, Well, how's he done it? And then as soon as the transfer ban's lifted, he's gone and bought another one for £22 million. I mean, that's coaching. That's in, that's incredible, an incredible level of coaching. He was doubling it's, down on Dean Smith as well when questioned about about it by David Priest, who seems quite a reasonable and well-educated man on Twitter and knows actual intricacies about goalkeeping and football. And he was saying that he basically did, a, he did kept Villa up when they'd been promoted way ahead of time, apparently, um, and reached League Cup final. So but they stayed up on the basis of faulty goal line technology and promoted way ahead of time. Didn't they have a wage bill that was like 180% of their turnover or something ridiculous in the championship. How has he done it? He's setting this up as well. So what does Bielsa have to do in the Premier League this season to be nominated for FIFA Men's Coach of the Year next year? If Leeds finish 17th He has to cast, cast a replica of the trophy using his own bare hands and no training in the skills of craftsmanship engraving or is it metallurgy, metallurgy, me, me, that word? What's the word? <laughs> I've no idea. Metallurgy. Metal written. work. Metal work, yes. Um, piss off, Matt Law, idiot. Do we have any more candidates, or should we pick one from those? It's not been too uh, too villainous this week. Everything's everyone's been kind of on Leeds United's side. Maybe um, can we nominate as a villain a creeping sense of paranoid distrust? Can we nominate emotions? Dis- yeah, suspenseful we, feelings. Should we give it to to Matt Law so he knows that Englishmen are allowed to win yeah. titles? Yeah, yeah, good we, point. Rodriguez, he's one of them. South Americans, isn't he? Yeah. But, and, yeah. Why and, wouldn't and, that go to Grealish? And ultimately, Bias. and ultimately, James Rodriguez is squealing like a pig was inconsequential because we won. 
So he hasn't really done any wrong by us, has he? I mean, Matt Law, you could argue, is far more inconsequential. But um... I mean, Matt Law has already lost. Just I'll bet, in general. I'll bet Matt Law doesn't have a passport. I bet he holidays in Western Supermare and Torquay every year. Well, it looks like he's uh, he's on holiday in his little uh, Twitter bio photo because he's got his his sun specs on. But who knows where that was taken? I bet they're not. Uh, I bet they're not Ray Bans. Fancy Italian nonsense. I bet they're. I bet they're British-made knockoffs. That's what they are. Well done, Matt Law. You are allowed to win this, and you have your twat. May right. your favourite team finish seventeenth forever, and you be the one person who thinks that's great. The Andy Hughes Hero Award comes now. People who've done good stuff for us this last week or brought a smile to our face. I mean, we spoke about him extensively earlier. Bailey Peacock Farrell. Just wonderful. I mean, I knew, obviously was aware that he was in the team. I I didn't watch the game live because I was walking down um, here to to do the match ball for for the Leeds-Everton game. But I just kind of had this ambient awareness that it was going on. And when I did check the score and saw it was 5-0 and... uh, that Bailey Peacock Farrell had thrown the ball into his own net, amongst other things. Just great. Him lying in that net, having kneaded into his own net, just lay, laid there stretching. That, that, that was an image that will stay with me for many years. I think that was the first point in his career so far that it might have occurred to him just slightly that he may not be cut out for top-level goalkeeping. I think that there was just a little hint of it, the way he just stayed in the net, instead of getting up and shouting at a defender. It's hiding, isn't it? It's, it's kind of, it's, if I don't show my face, if I don't look at the world, the world can't see me. And he just, maybe he just thought like, maybe, maybe I'm not that good at this. And it's not, you know, I mean, the, the whole I hate Bailey Peacock Farrell thing is, is very much overplayed, but it gets forgotten sometimes that his, his rise didn't just start from him being a Leeds United reserve. If Heckingbottom hadn't put him in our team, the advice of the Thorpe Arch staff was to release him at the end of the season because he wasn't going to make it. And then he ended up in the championship, had a little golden period. And somehow after that golden period turned silver, bronze and iron, there's a lot of metal, metal in this, uh, this part of the program. That was when suddenly, I don't know, maybe that's what appealed to, uh, to old gravel mouth over there. It's getting worse. I think I'll have him. Is that how Sean Dyche sounds? I don't think so, is it? Okay, on to some of our players from what was a fine performance at the weekend. We could add a number to this list, starting at the back. Melier, Rafinha, Calvin, Jackie Haradonna. I really hope that Peacock Farrell's in goal when we play Burnley. And him and Melier just have to just kind of line up to each other and walk off the pitch at the end. And Melier, he's probably about a foot taller, isn't he? Just put a little consoling arm on Bailey's shoulder. Pat his head. He yeah. could pat, he could ruffle his hair. Uh, not bon chance. What's French for bad luck? Uh, Malchance. Malchance. <laughs> yeah. Mal, Malchance. Malchance, Billy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was great at the weekend. Particularly enjoyed the uh, the flying picture that's been turned into the uh, the Mission Impossible graphic. Rafinha scored the winner. He's got the sauce, hasn't he? He's got the sauce. As a spin-off from that as well, Ronaldinho gets a nomination for sending him a message on Instagram, which again, that'll have probably annoyed Matt Law, won't he? Why is not why is it, why is he not sent one to Bailey Peacock Farrell? Why is he not why is he sent it in Portuguese? <laughs> what kind of language is that? Speak English. I don't know what you're saying. Playing in England, isn't he? Not even speaking Brazilian. What's he playing at? <laughs> was that to Rafinha, was it that Ronaldinho sent that? He did. He sent him a little um congratulations. They're from the same place, aren't they? I think in Brazil, so it's a bit of um a bit of a link there with him. And I think he was his hero growing up and stuff. Oh, that so. is nice. 
very well done. And he's having the chance that Ronaldinho never had because we nearly signed him, didn't we? We were certainly interested for... Uh, he was at Gremio. Yeah, and I think we uh, we just decided Seth Johnson was the safer bet, so nothing nothing Work, went wrong there. Worked out well. Calvin, best performance of the season so far. That was good, wasn't it? it I was mean, he had quite the weekend, didn't he? Dual Leaper on Friday night, Everton on Saturday night. Don't know what he did on Sunday, but I assume it was brilliant. And Jackie Haradonna. Chilled on Sunday. <laughs> and Jackie Haradonna, 100 games for us now. Not ours, still. He, he is very much the... Louis Coyle, isn't he, in this team? Just every year on loan, every year, good. We'll get him eventually, then sell him to Hull. I hope that's not the fate that awaits Jackie Haradonna. Just stay on loan, I think, is probably the moral of that story. Although he's, he's been off the boil a little bit as Jackie in the last couple of games, hasn't he? He's not been peak uh, peak Haradonna. And I only mention that because I think some of the other players that we've mentioned there that played on Saturday, probably more worthy of this uh, of this award. It's for the 100 games, not yeah. necessarily the yeah, one yeah. He, he just had, so... And as for external factors, uh, any nominations for hero ship, people who've uh, made us smile across the last week? That'll be county. Banter club, aren't they? We've mentioned Frank, but since Frank has left, they've now sacked Koku. They're bottom of the league, seven points from 14 games. I know you like your points per game calculations, but you don't. it's not enough to stay up no. anyway, that points mm. per game. The Wayne Rooney is currently in charge. He managed a really good draw with Wickham. At home as well, I mean... In his I mean, first game. I mean, we can remember they're on a on a good run of four. They came up last year, so they've got momentum behind them. I mean, the league tables would suggest not, because they're also down there, but um <sighs> it's still a good hard fought point, something to build on. And now they've appointed Steve McLaren, who's managed them unsuccessfully twice. They've appointed him to select their next manager, and I suspect he's gonna select either himself or Wayne Rooney. And when he does that, that's gonna be particularly sweet. What about McLaren as director of football and Rooney as coach. That's a possibility, isn't it? A distinct possibility where they'll go, right, well, that model's not worked before where we've put all the power in one pair of hands. Let's split it up between two incompetent people. And the uh, the salaries that they'll be able to pay themselves as well, I imagine, will be uh, perhaps that won't be foremost in their minds when they take this job. It'll be saving Derby County and keeping them in the championship. But uh, I don't imagine that the, um, the payoff they'll get when they've relegated the fucking heap of shite <laughs> rampo it is it will, is uh, um, will hurt them at all it's really nice how our paths have diverged since that playoff semi-final when fat franks knocked us out just to see obviously we moved forward a lot over the following 12 months they went backwards and now they are fully going in reverse like richard Keogh getting out of a car crash there was an, an attempt at uh, retrospectively praising Frank Lampard that I saw saying, well, I mean, if Derby are now in this state, what a job Frank Lampard must have done to have got them into the playoffs in the first place. But that's a complete misreading. What's great about this is that this is all Frank Lampard's fault. He started this. He brought Ashley Cole in. He he set this whole, I mean, it's um, Mel Morris as well, this fascination with having um, washed up ex-England players all over the place and then getting a little bit fancy with Koku. This is all him. And it really gives me hope that he's going to leave Chelsea in the same state and they'll be having to drag Dennis Wise is coming in to, to choose his, the next manager. But it is true what you're saying about the keepers actually at Chelsea, that a £70 million keeper doesn't want to be there playing second fiddle to a different keeper who's also cost 20-odd million quid. So that does create a problem. You've got two keepers there who want to be first choice and he'll do that. He'll flood his squad with players who all want to play and then he'll go and leave them with all that problem to tidy up in and the they've end. they've still got Olivier Giroud, who is essentially their, their best striker, but he won't play him. 
that's not healthy. He's bringing him on as a sub and he'll score seven goals. And so, like, do I do I start? Nah, Tammy's dad says he's got to play at a weekend. So <laughs> it's just, yeah, I, I really hope this is kind of a, a template for what, what's going to happen at Chelsea. I just wondered, actually, as a, a spin-off from that, you mentioned Mel Morris and the thought occurred to me because I play now and again, I'm doing quite well on Candy Crush Saga, you know, the... Um, the mobile phone game. I'm on level, I think it's 1,200 and something. I've got, got quite far. But what I will not do, it's, it's one of those games that relies on microtransactions. You know, they're always trying to get you to pay 199 for this package or 99p for that one. In all the time I've had my iPhone, which is a number of years now, and I've had Candy Crush on there for a number of years, not given a single penny to Candy Crush Saga just because I know Mel Morris is behind it. I will not pay for him and them to succeed. So I wonder, actually, little question I'll chuck out there before we close this is, What's the pettiest act you've done in support of your football team? Like, you know, for example, growing up, you'd never have a sharp video recorder in the house, would you? Because they sponsored Man United. That's exactly what I was going to say, actually. I don't know why you said while growing up. I still <laughs> have never allowed a sharp product in, it, into the house. It took a lot of years for me to come to terms with going onto Vodafone. Mm. With my mobile I've still phone. never forgiven you. Yeah, I remember you doing that and it absolute outrage. It's, it's just because it's the only place in Miami. I'm a shit broadband in Bradford. I've got shit mobile reception as well. The only one that penetrates the walls of my house is Vodafone. You'll just don't have one. <laughs> Fair point, yeah. With Chelsea coming up this weekend, I mean, I, I put my Commodore in a cupboard and I never never play it anymore. Just get your Packard Bell out just to make a point. Exactly. Let's not talk about you getting your Packard Bell out. Um, who's your hero of the week? I'm tempted by Calvin for his one-two of surprising pop presence and then an incredible game on Saturday because... There's always that little question mark around footballers when they start doing stuff that isn't football. You know, Marcus Rashford gets it all the time. He's like, concentrate on the game, forget about those kids. Uh, not your problem. And messing around with Dua Lipa is not um, high on people's list of priorities. I'm sure some people will have been confused and thought it was live. He was doing what on Friday night? But then just. I, to- keep, I keep seeing Lavasa adverts with Liverpool popping up at the end, selling coffee. Maybe they won't all be getting injured if they weren't all jacked up on caffeine. I mean, we are we are certainly destined. We do have that tractor sponsorship in our in our future. I, I wonder why actually JCB haven't instantly leapt on it and they've got Patrick Bamford front and centre of some kind of Premier League digger campaign. But yeah, if if he can be the best, um, I mean, he's already completed football, so he may as well just go and become like a pop superstar as well. I want him to release a record next. That's the next step. Don't just sit on a sofa pretending to play a computer game while Dua Lipa walks past you. Duet. Well, let's hope now the, the new floodlights are going up and they are diamond lights that we might see a cover version of the classic uh, Hoddle and Waddle song, which if you haven't ever seen that, if you're too young to know what the hell I'm on about, just go on YouTube, have a look for diamond lights and see Glenn Hoddle and Chris Waddle doing magnificent things. You will enjoy that. So is it Calvin then? Yeah, why not? All right. Well done, Calvin. Uh, the charity calendar is out at the minute. All the proceeds from that go to the Leeds Cancer Centre. Have a look at the squareball.net forward slash calendar. Check out TSB Plus on the website as well. If you're not yet signed up for that, we'd love to get you behind us. And we'll catch you next time. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.